I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. folks this is dum dum the show about the reality ducky drama that has entered an ambridge in the heart of the millers i'm the slim decent practical chap goodness i sound boring that is royfield brown and with me are the baffled tinder user that is kerry warbis and the fit sane solvent cove that is peter fickling and the last part of this week's lockdown date, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dumpty Dump is from Francesca Word Salad over there in Cardiff and Crumbs. She was raving like it was 1989 with a, with, with a bit of the old Barwicks thrown in. So it's a bit of Barwick house, folks. There you go. Thank you for that, Francesca. Now, Kerry, if someone would like to send us in a Dumpty Dump, do they need to mix it and like it's 1989? Or how do they go about it if they'd like to do that? do it any old way but if you would like to sing us a dumpty dum or leave us a plot prediction then call us on 0203 031 3105 leave us a message on speakpipe or send a text message starting with dumb to 077862 thanks to yokel bear and millie bell our social media supremos cosmo for his podcast roundups Mike Hatton for his character counts, Shambridge for her voices, and to Lucy B. Freeman. Now, last week, folks, we said volunteers were wanted. We were looking for Archers enthusiasts and Dum De Dum listeners to be part of our podcast team. Now, we would like to welcome the following. Elsa Lutie, Amber Reeves Piggott, 
Sue Lee, Sandra Jenkinson, Lillian McCarthy as new members of the Dumpty Dum team. On this week's episode, we hear calls from Jack, Merlin, Fiona, Josh, Glyn, Rob, Williams, uh, Paul from Suffolk, B12, Simon, Erica, Emma and Beth. You know what that means, folks. We have some B news. B Corner is back. So um, if you like your insects furry and with wings, um, this is the podcast for you. And if you also like a little bit of the um, the archers, uh, we can also help you with that too. And I've completely forgotten what the hell the new the uh, debate of the week is. The hot topic. Yeah, the hot topic. There you Come go. Come on, Royfield. Well, it's not on the you script. Know what it's, about. it's not on the script. I have. I did actually forget in the moment because I was. Nowhere struggling. does it say what is the hot topic on the script. So, um, it's good old Lizzie and dating, and who would we date, and how would we do it in Ambridge? Oh, all right then. So there you go. There you go, folks. Uh, this is this week's hot topic. Um, the world of online dating. Um, what I was going to say is come to Ambridge, but that's not quite true. It's only just come to Ambridge. We has actually touched Ambridge with this brush before because Roy Tucker's done a little bit of the online swiping, hasn't he? But, you know, we feel properly invested in it now because our Lizzie has decided to dip her toe into Tinder, Bumble, coffee with bagels. So what are the pickings going to be like in mid Borsetshire? do we reckon? Mm. It, obviously, there's going to be lots of farmers. Uh, there might be one or two, um, you know, people who've got, done their starter marriage, uh, maybe done their second marriage and, uh, you know, not quite ready for the knackers heat. We're giving it one last hurrah, you know, a slightly knackered bit of uh, landed gentry. Um, maybe there's some good estate managers out there for, for our Lizzie. What type of, of thrusting man can she expect? <laughs> I'm now thinking about if you're looking at Ambridge in itself, I know you mm. said in Borsetshire, but Ambridge itself, you know, if we were going to be choosing someone from Ambridge itself, my age range, it would be either David, who's slightly older than me, um, or Alistair, mm. who's Shula's sloppy seconds, not sure I'd want to do that. And then below age range, it's Roy. No, someone rather cruelly suggested that would be a good match, Kerry. That was yeah. not me at all that said that'd be a good match. Uh, but wait on a minute. That was you, wasn't it? It was Naughty, Peter. It was totally Naughty Peter Peter. that said that. Yeah. I, I was on about Lizzie finding matches because I've, you know, I'm yeah, trying to pull sorry. this back to the fact that we are actually trying to cobble together an Archers fan podcast as opposed to helping Kerry Warbis and her, <laughs> and her love life. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I, I'm, I'm a bit disappointed with how horrible she's being about ifty she's really sort of judging him and saying oh he's let himself go really boring was he always like that mm. calm down i thought that was a bit nasty only a week ago she was planning the wedding and then this week he was basically relegated to being some kind of stoner loser who you yeah, know had Trump. no prospects or hopes yeah you know she's not going to cut any corners in terms of appearance by the sounds of it they're going to be quite have to be quite sharp trying to be a bit sort of carry about it and be a bit analytical what would serve the plot of the archers best? I mean, mm. 
it, I mean, what I, I know what true what would be true to life, but what would actually be a kind of uh, sort of useful or, or sort of um, compelling plotline? The doomed relationship with an immensely unsuitable person, but they've kind of got that covered with Russ already. They've kind of done that plot plotline a few times. It might be, it maybe it's the kind of super exploitative kind of a uh, person who is after the stately home. I haven't got anything better than that, I'm afraid. No, I think she she plot wise, you know, and to suit us, I think she would need someone who's really lovely and cares for her. What you think they actually? What they just? I know go that's for, boring, just but. <laughs> Um, she did do some hard yards um, servicing the Roy, um, Roy and Haley plotline, didn't she? Mm. Um, servicing Roy in the tent. So, and you mentioned you mentioned Russ. Someone on Twitter, genius, said that um, wouldn't it be great if Lizzie stumbled upon Russ on this dating website? Mm. Well, that, so that, that, that would be quite interesting. That that was there was some flirting between there. Russ and Lizzie, wasn't there? Mm, yeah, was there? Oh God, yeah. When they were, when it was kind of, oh, Russ, you're so helpful and you're so wonderful and thank you. And no one else has listened to me about this. And, and you know, he was driving her places and they'd gone out yeah. for a meal together. <laughs> Russell. Yeah, it was all. And L- Lily was, was not there at that point, was she? We, we, I can't remember. Exactly. She... They were, Russ and Lily were on a, um, mm. really were on a bit of a, a rocky patch. I yeah. always thought that Russ played that with a very straight bat and it was Lily, sorry, it was Lizzie, sorry, who was all kind of giggly and uh, and maybe flirtatious. But mm. but Russ was just like, you know, yes, Elizabeth, no Elizabeth type of thing. But and I think the thing about it was that they were better suited when they were chatting to each other and obviously more age appropriate. They just seemed to gel more than Russ and Lily. I I. Do not agree with that, by the way, Auntie Kerry. But trying to think of the type of bloke who Elizabeth is going to encounter. A tree surgeon. A tree... Someone who can be trusted at heights. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to, like, play the class card here because I like to see myself as someone who's quite confident and I can go out into any social circumstance. But if I'm going to have a date with somebody and I don't necessarily know an awful lot about them other than, you know, I kind of quite like the look of them. We've exchanged a few texts, emails, whatever, and made each other laugh uh, and we appear to get on. And they invite me back, let's say, on second or third date to their stately home. I am (laughs) going to be somewhat, I don't want to say intimidated, but apprehensive, let's say, because that is something to take on is it not you know somebody who yes we know that lizzie um grew up on a farm but you know that's a whole level of social standing wealth whether she whether it's liquid wealth or not etc etc which is beyond my kind of understanding and general knowledge that i'd be like whoa would yeah, I, you've got to walk past a bunch of um, protesters trying to pull down Nigel's ancestor statue at the front. Get in there, there's a portrait of Nigel. You know, it's a, there's a lot of reminders of her past to field. So, are you saying that it will need to be someone sort of relatively equal standing? I think that's what I'm saying. But you know, mm. the caveat is that she grew up as a farmer's daughter, um, so it's not as if she was born into the gentry Mm. or the lower aristocracy she isn't but she is of that standing now and she's in a big bloody big pile there is a whole 
kind of heady cocktail of potentially, as Peter just alluded to, of class and mm. and then race and aspiration kind of kind of thro- thrown at this. And whenever I've spoken to specifically women in their 50s who are young in spirit and like they're still active and want to go out and grab life by the ghoulies, no pun intended, they frequently complain about that a lot of their contemporary matches feel older. Yeah. They are a little bit beaten up, a little bit tired, and just don't have that kind of kind of zest for life. And I think what Lizzie needs is definitely somebody who still has a zest for life. Yeah. Who's going to want to do things, go places. Excite you know, her. Yeah. Exactly. Not be a Nigel clone, but somebody who is, dare I say, energetic. Kerry, you're, you're, you're a woman that's averse of these uh, mechanisms of finding a partner. Um, what is your dating app of choice? <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, I have done it in the past um, mm. quite successfully. Um, I, felt, I think, God, in the olden days, the one that I used Guardian Soulmates mm-hmm. a long time ago and did find a partner with whom I stayed for seven years. So that's a relative success, isn't it? However, this week, yeah, sorry. sorry. I was going to ask what qualified success, success, and I think, yes, that is, seven years, good. Mm, surely, yeah. surely success is one partner outliving the other and you're in your dotage, you know, and you're looking, <laughs> right. you, you know, and at the funeral, you know, you're looking at the grandchildren and the children that you share together. That's success, surely. So that's quite um, binary, though, isn't it? That means that that means that you're either a failure or a, a success story. Yeah. There you yeah, go. I am, we live in a digital world, Peter. Everything is binary. It's ones and zeros. Have you never um, online dated well, an, uh, Winfield? I have a little bit of a history with this way of uh, f- finding a partner. W- oh. Way back when, um, when I ran an, an online company, we actually started our own um, online dating service and this Mm. is before you could in effect get them white label off the shelf so I did that many 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 moons ago and I remember I had to tell my staff to write fake profiles um, because you needed profiles up there to attract replies and stuff Mm. so I have done the old guardian soulmates as well yeah and actually yes Peter is there a support group for your staff I might you know just ask The thing was, everybody loved it. But, you know, people did have to go home and tell their respective partners, this is just a little bit of a a wheeze Mm -hmm. and a lark. And then you got friends of friends and family members were doing doing profiles. But I did actually go out on a date uh, with somebody um, to prove that the whole system did work. And when she found out the day later that I was, I actually ran the website, she sent me a quite terse email and said I was wasting her time so so yes oh. uh so Peter you, know, you you have a very happy domestic setup and of course um the little little Peter there is a proof positive how happy your domestic setup is uh but when you're unhappy before you came happy uh did you uh swipe left swipe right well I mean obviously I sat like a frog in the desert awaiting the rains before you know that's just single for another <laughs> decades but um in alternative universes uh yeah I did I actually sorry this is two out of three I also tried to start up a dating 
website. I moved to Singapore to start up two businesses and it was catastrophically unsuccessful. So the um, cow selling business kind of got off the ground, but the dating website never did. But I, no, I, I, I mean, I think it's a personality thing. I'm not, I'm not built for it. I just don't have whatever it takes to... What, you're not built for setting up a dating website? Both. Um, I'm not built for going out there and taking the relentless knocks and, you know, beating downs and terrible dates it takes. I think you need a lot of endurance to do the um, mm-hmm. the dating scene, on online dating scene. And I think it's be interesting to see if Elizabeth could do it. I was just going to say times have changed so much, though, since Dating Direct. It seems practically Victorian now that I think about it. I went on Tinder this week just to sort of see what it looks like. You know, I've been a year single and I thought, oh, let's have a look. And before I knew it, there was this guy on a picture in front of me and I tried to get his picture away, which meant that I swiped and said that I liked him. And I was so afraid I shut the app down. <laughs> <laughs> Roaring success. I've been with yeah. them friends and that they just, you know, they're, they're addicted. They're absolutely addicted to, um, mm-hmm. is it is it Tinder, Tinder the one? Um, and yeah, they, they just don't, every minute that you've gone off to get a drink or, you know, you turn your back for five seconds, they're swiping left and right. And they go absolutely bananas if you try and go anywhere near it, like the fear that you might try and stitch them up or kind of, you know, mm. do a wrong swipe. So I don't think I can do that. That instant sort of, you know, the looking, judging, swiping thing. No. I mean, but you know, looks have not to, after... to play, yes, but not so ruthlessly. I, I can't do that. What type of man do we think that our Elizabeth is going to find a a find on Tinder? Bear in mind that she's fifty three in the middle of Borsetshire on Tinder, and mm. is even Tinder the right platform for her? Well, I mean, she'd meet a different man if she wrote her own bloody profile, um, or based on jo- Jolene's one, really, wouldn't she? They're going to be different creatures. I can only speak for myself, but maybe Royfield feels the same way, but I find solvent women incredibly attractive. <laughs> just the, you know, knowing that they have... Uh... She should have just written, own stately home. I don't know, <clears throat> Auntie Kerry, mm-hmm. how valid it is for the average bloke what a woman writes on a Tinder profile. I think there are there are many studies done on this and generally us blokes, the heterosexual ones of us anyway, just go, I like the look of her or I don't. So it's Tinder women. is right up your alley then? I beg your pardon? <laughs> <laughs> right, it's going to be one of those episodes, is it? No, no, I mean, you know, the judging visually thing, Tinder is right up your alley. By the sounds of it, being Peter, a male and all. Peter, you're male too, and I believe you're heterosexual. Um, can, can you come and rescue me? I feel like I'm being slowly boxed into a corner. I, um, I think um, you kind of set yourself up because you said heterosexual men, and you know you are very well advertised, self-advertised as being a heterosexual man. So that that's oh, where you, you know, that's where you got into trouble. <laughs> Um, first of all, you have thumbnail hotties. That's the first big problem with online dating. People who look immensely good at 100 pixels by 100 pixels, and then, you know, you blow them up. And um, not literally, obviously, that's a whole different thing. But, um, uh, and, you know, they're just, they're just you know, bog monsters. Um, I'm, ta- I'm talking very specifically about this this realm. This is not my general attitude towards, you know, my fellow fellow human beings. I can't waste, no matter how hot someone is, you can't waste an evening of your life going out mm. to meet someone who's obviously deranged. You can't string two words together. But isn't that just nerves, though? Somebody turns up for a, for a date, and let's say they are a 53-year-old woman, never done online dating before, hasn't done dating since the 1980s, 
She's going to be tongue-tied. She's going to be a little bit nervous. That's going to be understandable. Yeah, I, I more meant that, you know, you need to have written to each other a bit before, perhaps, no? Yeah, definitely. That's quite yeah. exciting as well. If, you, if, you, if you've been, yeah. I mean, when I, being, being deadly serious for a moment, I, I was in a long-term relationship through all of my 20s. Um, and so I, uh, I hadn't kissed someone in eight years. And so I was suddenly, you know, doing the whole internet dating thing. So I would, so I would fully Lizzie up and have marriage plans and kind of like, you know, what colour car are we buying? Uh, how are we going to redecorate the stately home? But, you know, I, I definitely was a bit Lizzie in sort of like, you know, what was it like Iftikhar? She was already marrying him in five minutes and he's mm. suffered since. But yes, no, I, I definitely someone who would, you know, enjoyed the messaging to Kerry's point about, you know, a bit mm -hmm. of connection. Mm -hmm. Auntie Kerry, one of the things that we like to hear on Dum Dum is just to, you know, divulge of ourselves so the the listeners feel very close to us, that understand the psyche behind the voices on the podcast. Mm -hmm. So what type of gentleman are you looking for? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a type at all, I would say. Um, okay, definitely has type, right? Here we go. Yeah, no, I don't. Um, oh, God, I definitely wouldn't go for someone really sort of muscly. You know, that kind of thing is really off-putting. Someone who has to be very funny. Mm. Uh, that's the main thing for me. Um, they can have a beer belly as long as they're funny. Uh, Is, do not, you actually have a? Do you actually have like a graph? Do you have a special graph that kind of with it all plotted out, sort of size of gut versus kind of you know? <laughs> Good jokes, uh, ometer. Yeah. I'm not that wildly um, judgy on the physical stuff, to be honest with you. Honestly, not. And I think women are less like that. So, so basically, you don't need the, the to see the images of them on Tinder. I'm saying that's not my key thing. It's not the main thing. Um, having said that. We'll have to see them, won't we? What they what they do with this? We will, we will, we will. I, I think we've just about done that to death. Which means, so what? What's the conclusions we come to, Peter, with um, our hot topic of the week? Um, I think it's going to go exactly the opposite way. She'll be back with Roy in about ten minutes, and so we'll um, adopt a beautiful, beautiful brace of smashing little chaps. Brilliant. Now we've got that all sorted. Let's have some caller in there. Hello, Ambridge3962. Oh, always like to start off with a little bit of Jack. Jack! Hello to the Dumpty Dum community, it's Jack here. I thoroughly enjoyed Harrison Burns' adventure back into the past and to find out all the things that inspired him to become a police officer. It was very poignant to hear in his monologue, I must say, and well done to the scriptwriters and actor who performed it. Well, of course, the pub, the ball in Ambridge, is now open, and we should have our very own pub on Zoom, just like we've had with the interviews, but just to talk to each other, uh, the Dumpty Dummers. Um, we could even have breakout rooms, and we could all talk about Dumpty Dum things, arches, or other things, too. Now, can you tell me a little bit more about what is going on on Sunday after the omnibus between Twitter and YouTube, and is there anything to actually listen to afterwards? It sounds very good what you're doing. Now, I'd really like to hear a lot more of Rosie Porty on the podcast. Um, it's great to hear you on the Zoom interviews, some of, some of the Zoom interviews, Rosie, but it would be really nice for you to call into the podcast a lot more, Rosie. Well, of course, the Pargita Triptych is back 
for a fourth episode. Thoroughly enjoyable and well done to Graham Seed. Hopefully we'll have more of it. And make sure you become a Patreon of the parties at Triptych. Now you could get Dumpty Dum featured on the Radio Today podcast. It's a podcast run by Roy Martin and Stuart Clarkson. And they talk about all things radio and podcast. And uh, you could get featured on there and get them to talk about Dumpty Dum to promote it. Now, last week, you mentioned that the Aldridges are by far the most interesting family in Ambridge. So I'd like to ask people, who are the most boring or irritating family in Ambridge? I personally have to say that the British Farm Archers are probably the most moany, but uh, they're still acted and scripted very well. I'll speak to you all soon. Goodbye for now. Thanks, Jack. Um, yeah, he's always got a lot to say, hasn't he? He went all over the shop. In I, that I, I hope you were taking notes there, Auntie Kerry, because I was indeed. <laughs> I was. So um, he liked Harrison's past and said how poignant that was. And I enjoyed that too. To get another dimension to Harrison was good. Um, you know, the reasons why he joined the police force and so on. Uh, Zoom pub, anyone up for a Zoom pub? <laughs> well, we Why do have, um, just very quickly before you tell us about your enforced sobriety there, Peter. Um, we This Friday, we do have um, Sonny Ormond, who plays Lillian Bellamy, um, who's going to be our, I said that um, Tim Bentick was going to be our last actor Zoom Friday, didn't I? But seven o'clock, uh, you have a little bit of Lillian, and um, maybe afterwards uh, it should uh, devolve into a little bit of a, a pub session. So if you want to, uh, I believe we're all going to bring our bottles of gin, aren't we? Uh, Peter was very clear last week when we first uh, said this. He says, not not singular, uh, but definitely plural. Bring bring your bottles of gin, uh, bring a good attitude. And then, um, then when Sonny uh, disappears after an hour or so, maybe we can all continue to chat. I don't know. What do you reckon, Kerry? I'd love that. Yes. Always up for a drink and a natter. I think you promised the Lillian drinking game as well. I uh, did. Two shots for a cackle, one shot for a mention of Ruby. You know, it, it'll devolve very, very quickly. <laughs> What'd you get for a tiger? Oh, <laughs> oh come on. Those are good old days. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what else did, uh, did our Jack uh, mention? Um, he'd love Rosie. Yeah, yeah. Big fan of Harrison and Rosie Porty calling in. He, yeah, well, like yeah. That means that that's the end of you, then, Kerry. Obviously, we got our theme. No, no, I thought she, I thought you meant hosting. You said calling in, Royfield. Don't get oh. ahead of yourself. Oh, okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh, it's, it's 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 a it's a new person a week. I mean, Quentin's already got rid of me with his smooth smooth voice. <laughs> um, now Rosie's coming for Kerry. I mean, it's brutal. Yeah, so, should we just run away together, Peter, and do something different? Um, what, what, just, what a rival um, Archer's podcast <laughs> Not another one There'll be some Some, some other uh, black Dumdy Dum listener That'll be calling in next week to take my <laughs> place Boy, hands off uh, So Jack, thank you for that Comprehensive call, sir uh, as always, we thank you for being a, a valued member of the Dum De Dum community. Uh, now we're going over to Jersey. It's Merlin. Hello, everyone in Dum De Dum land. This is Merlin here in New Jersey. I know it's been a little while. 
I've just got back from walking the dog and watching Cooper's Hawks teaching their youngsters how to fly. So I've had a wonderful morning. I've been thinking about the monologues. I don't have as much of a problem as many do. I'm just very grateful that they're managing to do something. But I think you can tell the difference between the different writers. And that's part of the issue. Some of them do write as though you're really hearing someone's thoughts and others are breaking the fourth wall. The Padres of Triptychs break the fourth wall. He's talking to us as as listeners. And that's fine because it's completely separate. But The Archers is us listening in on something happening. So any of those monologues which break the fourth wall and sound like they're talking directly to us those seem strange and out of context and i think that's part of the part of the issue i was incredibly glad to to hear debbie come back and if nothing else then it's been wonderful for that opportunity to hear her i was nearly broken by the week that was helen and natasha together that was really desperate not my favorite people although Hearing Natasha did mean that I got to hear the word kutch, which is, I just love as a word. It's one of my favourite words, so that made me happy. And that's probably about it. Can't think of anything else, so I hope everyone's staying safe and take care. And I'll speak again sometime. Oh, nice to hear from Merlin again. Um, he's He's been grateful for the monologues. Um, and I mentioned about hearing the differences of, between the writers because we, we've touched on this before, haven't we, about, you know, during the week, there'll be two different writers, perhaps, um, do, you know, two doing, one doing two episodes and another doing the other two uh, and being able to notice the difference. I can't say I've spotted that so much. What about you two? Well, this week, I I really enjoyed this week. And I, I, I last last episode i made the promise to be incredibly positive so i was very happy when it started with a bang i mean i um we haven't talked about um harrison's um pot banging yet but i think that might be controversial but um it it really you you it, this week you really could see some of the gear changes between the sort of one not, there wasn't necessarily different writers between the different um actors and the different settings and it sort of made you realize just how much um effort is made to help you sort of you can have eddie eddie and clary kind of having a big old sort of um slightly tongue-in-cheek sort of argument or ding dong in the kitchen and then you're across to helen who's being very serious about her cheese and they've got some very clever techniques in the normal arches for helping you bridge those gaps and i think the immediacy of the monologues makes it a lot harder for the writers to do it so i don't just i don't, I don't think it's just writer to writer but sometimes they can't do those segues from a kind of tongue in they can't do a segue from a kenton and jolene peacock argument to harrison you know pouring out his heart quite as neatly although this mm-hmm. week i think they did a much better job because you did have the kind of triangle with kenton and um Harrison on one face, Jolene and Kenton on the other, and then everyone else on the third. Peter, going back to you and the Zoom pub, would you drink gin or something if there was a Zoom well, pub this Friday? I know you've abstained. Royfield has seen me pour literally gallons of pissy, terrible American beer down my throat. Um, but these days I'm living the cleanest of clean lives. I'm, I'm basically mm. on the wagon till the um, pandemic's over. So I would have to sort of sit bitterly and metaphorically in the corner and just watch you all get absolutely smashed. So I'm not, I'll probably, probably slip off halfway through. Yeah. I think. <laughs> so we've done Merlin, uh, we've done Jack, and uh, now I think it's time for a touch of the Fiona's. Hi, Royfield, Kerry, Peter, and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. 
It's Fiona from Manchester calling again. I just wanted to say that I'm really enjoying the monologues. I like hearing how people, people's reflections on their lives and how past actions are influencing them now. For example, Harrison's motivation for becoming a police officer or Adam's guilt at cheating on Ian. I think we're getting to know the characters at a deeper level, which for me is really interesting. Also, I don't agree with those who say we're treading water with the storyline. Normally, normally the archers can be very slow and sometimes boring, without much happening from day to day. Plenty of the characters have made potentially life-changing decisions during lockdown, including Alice quitting her job, Freddie finding his place at Lower Loxley, and Elizabeth starting dating again. Even Adam has had a go at solo parenting for an entire day. <laughs> However, hopefully Susan's stint as a DJ will be short-lived, as I'm finding her show painful to listen to. That's all I wanted to say. Thanks for listening, and thanks for Dumpty Dum. Bye. Well, that was good, Fiona, wasn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, she makes a, a few good points there about, you know, are, are we treading water or not? And then did list a couple of things that have happened. Um, but fairly recently, I think, you know, Adam saying about um, regret about his cheating and managing to do the parenting thing for a couple of hours, plus the Lizzie dating thing. And uh, Other than that and Harrison's reasons for becoming a police officer, uh, I think things have gone up a little bit of a gear, haven't they, in the recent ones in terms of yeah. stuff happening and also mentioning more COVID-specific things such as, you know, taking your temperature and the screens in the pub and it actually sounds a bit more l contemporary. Mm. I don't have any I don't have any intel and I'd be interested if Royfield did, but I... I feel that there have been a few examples of where this format might have given them the chance to be a bit more nimble. And and also, I think now that we're five or six, seven, is it two months in we're to the monologues? I, I, you know, and Archer's time and real time has both become muddied, right? But um, I do feel that they're... That, that they're they're now finding a new way of directing the plot. And so, for instance, Royfield's, I think, 100% accurate theory about Harrison being kind of lined up to sort of like turn his career around and solve, crack the big Moss Brothers crime ring, that's starting mm. to all fall into place. But it's taken them a while to kind of to get there. Um, and I think it's working quite well now. Mm. I, I, well, I was thinking about the monologues this week and, you know, it's no surprise, but I'm in the camp where of people who are slightly struggling with them and I was trying to really understand what they were other than filling in dead air or being placeholders etc and quite simple I think really what they are is a manifestation of the the writers whiteboards of the characters and actually what they have done is to completely and utterly strip away any mystery as to the emotional um, complexity, the emotional drivers of any of the characters. And I, I was always really struck that I've spoken to Tim Bentink a few times now about David, and he always says this. He says, David is still reeling from the fact that Ruth basically had an affair. She didn't consummate mm -hmm. it, but she had an affair 10 plus years ago. And he's desperate that this never happens again. He, he is much more beloved of her than she is of him. And he said the same thing when we did our Zoom uh, the, the other day with him. 
Now, if you're just a casual listener of The Archers, you wouldn't get that nuance. And I'm hardly a casual listener, but I hadn't heard that. But when he said that, it made sense. So I think for all of us people who are bitching and moaning about these monologues, and I definitely have been one, so I'm not, you know, throwing, mm. throwing rocks in at people in that camp. There is gold to be had listening to these monologues and then remembering what the characters have said and, and, and what a picture it paints of their psyche, of their neuroses, of their core drivers, because we're going to be able to understand when it kicks into the, to the traditional narratives, we'll be able to understand the characters much better. And so let's go back to what I said really at the start of this, is that if you imagine the writer's whiteboard when they go right david archer what is he you know son of mm-hmm. phil and jill he's the you know he's the farmer but then he's the, the the slings and arrows that have actually made him david archer and one of them is going to be um the fact that he thought his wife at one point um had a recurrence of of, of cancer but actually she was having an affair and how he is terrified of that kind of coming back type of thing of that situation ever coming back and so just with that alone Mm -hmm. it is a reason for us to dig in us old school archers fans to dig into these and go right um i get it now that let's say adam um feel feels unloved from his various from his father or stepfather etc i can't i think we've kind of worked that that out mm. but still it was it was there isn't it it was completely utterly there and if we can go through the various other characters major characters who have done monologues and and to get those little bits of gold and of course with harrison and the bullying we didn't know that at all david i'd like to hear the you know his insecurities being voiced by him yes mm. I, I you know i do think it was maybe a little bit clever mm. by the strip script writers to have um you know helen completely was a deep dive into you know neuroses and you know again long long-term listeners kind of kind of had worked everything out there's there were no real surprises but she said it whereas the male characters aren't self-aware are they to the in large part mm. you know they talk about things very situationally you know david was talking about lasagna there's a little bit of talk about him him and josh but it wasn't you know i feel insecure i feel um you know i didn't get hugs type of thing i mm. I, I feel apart from you know my family so to speak you have to infer that through yeah. them just getting through their days where the yeah. female characters are much more uh, in tune uh, with with their emotions and actually with their past and how the past has shaped them in the present. Kerry cracked a very um, funny but sort of intelligent joke a couple of weeks ago about um, Russ. Like, would we actually, does he actually, is he strategically evil or is he just kind of bumblingly accidentally evil? And you kind of get the same thing with um, a kind of watered down version with David when he was sort of bullying Joy. I think, is that too strong a word? I don't feel it is. Um you know, it was just kind of the, a stream of consciousness of someone who's just kind of treading all over another person's feelings unthinkingly. Whereas, to your point, Royfield, like with Helen, you would have heard her desperately sort of concerned about every tiny nuance of that and also like what it says about her. Absolutely. Um, so the moral of the story is that uh, women are much better than men. 
I mean, try and think of examples from either side that, that buck that. Well, to be fair, Harrison does, because Harrison this week, and Harrison was all talking about his feelings and whatever, wasn't he? He was. Yeah. Yeah. Harrison is yeah. the exception that proves the rule. I mean, you can't get much more public than broadcasting it on a radio show, can you, really? Mm-hmm. I, I, I got the impression from the very brief messages I saw on WhatsApp that you two were not moved by um, Harrison's outpouring. Can I confess now so, um, that I did shed the tiniest little tear hearing um, Harrison talk about his bullying and, and how he dealt with it? I, uh, not a big one, just a, the tiniest moistening of one of my eyes. <laughs> I did enjoy that. I like, as I mentioned a bit earlier, I was glad to hear um, a different side to him and a bit more depth to him. Uh, whether he would have actually exposed that on a radio show, I'm not entirely convinced. Uh, however, that's okay. I'll let you know. Yeah. Let, let them I think that's why I enjoyed that. this week so much. Mm. Sorry, Kerry. And uh, then I, they I kind this of. Week. Yeah, carry on. Sorry, sorry. It, it was first of all it was fairly uniform so um back to the earlier point you know it, it, we weren't having to jump too much between different tones it was kind of consistently sort of heightened so harrison they sped up what could have been weeks of exposition into a kind of like a 30 second um radio show from harrison i mean that was a, a bit unrealistic but you know once you kind of um, mm-hmm. got with it it was fine and also kenton and jolene all of that is just like nonsense obviously but it's just fun you know it's just a fun sideline plot and i really i really enjoyed i really enjoyed the week because i think for once it was totally consistent and also was the kind of archers I enjoy where it's they're not trying to make it realistic none of it felt realistic it was all a bit kind of um uh you know Hollywood yeah what what did you think about Harrison sort of going oh will she leave me because I haven't stayed in on date night I think the same thing I think it's exactly the same thing they allowed themselves the poetic license of summing up a broader problem in a kind of like an unrealistically truncated or a small snippet Mm. yeah okay i did think that the pots and pans being clanged was just too much of course it was he barely finished the sentence and there was a throng with saucepans outside the radio studio Mm. oh sorry he was he was recording from home there wasn't he he'd sort of gone upstairs to it doesn't matter though there is utterly (laughs) no way right that in any circumstance that and this is and i'm stealing this from uh, the wonderful quentin rayner that's very smooth voiced uh silver fox <laughs> uh when he said yesterday on on the zoom that um who listens to local radio forward slash community radio you know you, you barely get 15 people listening to it but all of a sudden everybody in ambridge was was tuning in and spontaneously all decided to uh, to knock their pots and pans and to applaud. It's just within minutes. It, mm. it wasn't yeah. it wasn't even within minutes, Kerry. It was seconds. <laughs> it was, he yeah. hadn't even finished, <laughs> and already Ambridge was just like out there, you know, clapping its finest. Now I'm not saying necessarily that he didn't deserve that, but there is no way on have you any earth that I've been on that that would have happened <laughs> spontaneously. I'm sorry. I thought I very much got the impression that um, Susan Carter was enjoying the same kind of um, popularity arc that um, Adrian Cronar did in uh, Good Morning Vietnam. Like you know, 
he was parachuted <laughs> in as an emergency. And then weeks later, the whole of the county is just tuning in with bated breath. Then Harrison was able to ride that wave home to the beach. It, you know. <laughs> uh, you're probably or right, Peter, obviously. Cambridge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah, she probably loves I feel a now. in the morning anyway <laughs> uh josh uh, we have a new caller in this is josh and he's up next greetings royfield and all the dumpty dum co-hosts and listeners this is josh in an undisclosed location of the usa and this is my first time caller innering i am still a bit conflicted about which character represents my starting to listen to the archers i think the best answer is jim lloyd although i swear i recognize a smattering of the 2006 storylines this is fitting, though, as I am an ex-academic, although I moved to another field as opposed to retiring to Ambridge. The story of how I came to listen to the Archers is long, complicated, and of interest to no one. It does, however, start with listening to the relatively short-lived docudrama Westway in my college dormitory on an actual shortwave radio back before the North America service was cut in 2008, and takes a detour through the then BBC Six music of all places. I disagree with just about all of you with regard to the monologues. I like them. This is perhaps because I use the archers as a way to calm my mind during work breaks or while doing chores. It is a meditation or perhaps more accurately a mindfulness technique to quiet the thoughts about work and family. While I recognize the value of dramatic plot lines like Rob and Helen and was stunned by how well Jim Lloyd's arc has gone, I am happiest with Pip and David arguing over the moisture content of grass, intrigue over the fruit and produce show, and just about any plot line with Jazzer. To use more recent examples, Freddy's fixing a toilet, fly tippers, and Alice's slow descent into alcoholism. I like to think of the archers as a real place, and thus it needs to be boring most of the time, especially these days. Perhaps we can get an episode of Josh and Adam bickering while fixing a tractor because neither bothered to change the transmission oil, or Natasha reading her credit card statements out loud, or Henry carefully explaining each and every joke in an episode of Giggle Biz to Pat while she increasingly agitated and finally takes him for a very non-organic McDonald's burger to shut him up. <laughs> Anyways, we all listen for different reasons, and I enjoy hearing your thoughts and those of the Dumpty Dum world. Welcome, Josh. That was refreshing, wasn't it? Yeah, Josh voice. sounds very young for a retired man. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm suspicious of Josh. Why wouldn't he disclose his location? Oh. You know, he... Uh, is he in the White House or something? Oh, yeah, just about to say, yeah. <laughs> That's the longest I've heard Trump go without sniffing in a long while. <laughs> oh, God. Just I, I am equally intrigued about that. Should exactly. Well, I, I think what Peter said is, is you know, well, well, why didn't he want to tell us? Unless he's working for the FBI and the CIA and he's like deep undercover and the operational reasons, the reason why he can't disclose his location. So he's not I really think, called Josh either then. There you go. I think he's just <laughs> embarrassed, embarrassed about the fact that he works for the current administration and he is in the White House right now. You know, okay. an office That's just off the... <laughs> CSI Josh, Josh. So he, he. Um, I th think we can say it from the accent. I'm pretty sure. I'm feeling confident on that. Um, I think also he's obviously got a very high octane life because Archers is, is purely there as a as some, you know, a place to relax and calm down. Mm. Um, what else did we have? What was he? What did he study at university? Did we get that? He said he's, he's an, an academic, academic but didn't reveal that. You know, I mean, he's a burnt he out academic. He... Does Trump listen? This is my next question. Who? Oh, good lord! 
I know we're going to see some Trump tweets in the tweet along next omnibus. Wouldn't that be a thing? <laughs> Wouldn't that be a thing if Trump has been outed not only as an Archers fan, but also as a dumpty dumber? I would maybe have to leave the podcast. I, I couldn't, it wouldn't sit well with me if Donald oh. Trump liked this podcast, if he was actually a fan. <gasps> if he was oh, a it's been a massive Royfield fan. Yeah. No. We, we'd seriously have to take a, a long, hard look at ourselves. How are you going to, sorry sorry to cross streams <laughs> like Ghostbusters, but how are you going to deal with Trump when you finally get to him in your American President's podcast? Um, not doing him. Uh, really? So what, it, just as a it, point, are you at least you can you can acknowledge that? Gonna... Well, yeah, because it's ten American presidents, so it's the ten pivotal presidencies, and arguably, um, so with Obama, Obama is one of the ten, and with him, um, we're not doing his time in office; we're just doing him running for election, because because right. arguably it's too close. Uh, in time to really give it a proper historical um, analysis. But you can talk about him running and being the first non-white man to run mm. and, and the symbolism of that and what that meant not only to America but also to the rest of the world. Um, mm. We've dealt with Trump in terms of we did an episode on impeachment or the presidents that have been impeached and actually, uh, little known fact, the first public officer in America who was impeached was actually a Supreme Court justice. You know, we think about it as just being the president, but there was a Supreme Court justice in the 80, early 1800s who was actually impeached. I think it was uh, Justice Clay, but I, I could be wrong. Anyway, uh, so so we, we, do, we have talked about Trump, but there's not going to be an episode about Trump mm. because it wouldn't be fair. We, we're too caught up in the moment, you know, so... But he better not be a dumpy dumber. Maybe you can do it next year after he's been assassinated or something. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, no, Kerry, <laughs> still, still, still be too soon. Did did everybody <sighs> see um, excerpts of his Fox News interview? Insanity, absolute insanity. Um, just before I forget, can we, seeing as we were talking about Obama, uh, he he said there were some very lovely stories about him and um, John Lewis. So just maybe a, uh, an RAP John ah. Lewis, I think that's worth saying. Mm. Yes, uh, it's a good time reminder that that line of civil rights uh, did pass this weekend. And he was somebody who uh, the present incumbent of the Oval Office uh, mocked and called him a coward. Uh, just what some eighteen months ago, not at all knowing his history and actually what he'd done, and you know him crossing the bridge at Selma, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you know. Um, but anyway, moving swiftly on, we mm. are a podcast about contemporary rural issues, uh, as opposed to <laughs> <laughs> are we <laughs> the issues of twenty twenty and the incumbent in the White House, Glenn Fuller Love. Pull us back uh, on our normal path, sir. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Glyn here. Uh, first, let me say I'm enjoying the new three-presenter format for Dumpty Dum, and I particularly enjoyed your ruminations on the Aldridges last week. They definitely are the most interesting family in Ambridge. This week, though, um, I'm f I found rather less of interest in the Archers I didn't find the Peacock Wars 
or Lizzie's dating profile particularly compelling listening. But at least we have learned more about what I suppose you'd call one of the more peripheral characters through the monologues, as we did with Natasha a few weeks ago, this time uh, being, of course, uh, Sergeant Burns. And we found out that he was bullied at school. Uh, Call me a softy if you will, but I did have a tear in my eye at the end of Thursday's episodes. It does rather beg the question about whether we would ever have found out uh, about um, the bullying of Harrison Burns at school without lockdown, but I guess that's one of the mysteries of Ambridge that will never be solved, along with most of the crime in the village, of course. (laughs) But there you go, there you go. Well, thanks as ever for the podcast and to all in Dumpty Dum land, stay safe. Bye. Oh, Glyn, um, very kind of you to say that you're enjoying the three of us. Um, that's a relief. <laughs> uh, yeah, not interested in the Peacock Wars or Lizzie's dating, but the Harrison bit ticked your box, made you, made you shed a tear. Bless you. Yeah. I mean, I also shed a small tear, as I said earlier on, but uh, uh, there was a moment in the Harrison bit where he went full kind of Spider-Man's Captain America, sort of explaining how the bullying rise to being a fearless crime fighter. Um, that was a, a did jar a little bit. Um, but but I think we do owe um, Harrison a little bit of an apology. We've given him a right old kicking over the last few weeks. And actually, the bit that moved me more... Um, and I actually think sort of set me up for the, the you know, the, the floods of tears was actually a prosaic and sort of slightly regretful descriptions of his day's work. And also you did get to see him being a very good policeman, sort of dealing with um, that kind of small domestic um, dispute. So, you know, like Roy Field, myself, um, you, Kerry, we all, we all, you know, der- derided him, called him Columbo. And here he is just doing an honest and decent job. Yeah. And he, he actually was sort of, you know hedge wars he was like oh it's hardly thrilling is it you know yeah yeah he he recognized that it's a little bit humdrum what he's doing but you know actually he's sorting things out for people isn't he yeah and he did did you do you not think i i mean sorry i'm not your approval but yeah i am i am begging for your approval (laughs) did you think i had a point about that he did a good job did you get a sense that he was sort of um you know bringing the appropriate amount of diplomacy but firmness to the situation yeah, I do. I do. And also, um, it was quite touching how he um, talked about his wife, wasn't it? On the yeah, yeah. radio. Yeah. I think you went full Kerry Forensic on the, the amount of, you know, that you you were the first person to spot that maybe he um, maybe he was reacting too strongly to, you know, to one night of a failed one failed date night. But but I think broadly it sort of was quite nice to hear him hear him so concerned it did actually make me think am I concerned enough about my poor wife I'm genuinely I was like I'm an absolute you know I'm a monster <laughs> oh well that's, that's some good has come of it then <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely I haven't acted on it Kerry that's a whole oh, different thing come on yeah. are you waiting for after the pandemic then to become more yes. considerate <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll um the pandemic finishes and I'll become considerate and drunk overnight okay cool <laughs> Awesome. Well, that's it's, uh, uh, a revelation indeed, uh, Mr. Pickling. Uh, Glenn Fuller, love, uh, we thank you for that, sir. And, and now we have an ex-member of Take That.
Hi there. Hello, all at Dumpty Dum Land again. It's Rob Williams. Uh, this time, I'm going to apologise to Kerry. Uh, apparently, my last message was extremely short. Believe it or believe it not, I was about the 17th go of uh, making a, a, a message uh, after I'd managed to get through it without all the stutters and coughs and flubs and everything. Uh, that's why it ended up being down to about 15 seconds or something. <laughs> so I apologise to Kerry, mainly, because I obviously shocked her finishing so soon. Sorry. <laughs> uh, and also, it just makes me full of envy for all the other caller inners that they can sound so professional. Uh, I just sound like some sort of village idiot. Hey, ho. Oh. One thing that did spring to mind, everybody was saying about how wonderful uh, Tamsin Gregg was in Green Wing, and yes, she was. What I would say, though, check out episodes. She is brilliant in that, playing uh, a screenwriter, again with Stephen Mangan, only this time uh, we've got, uh, what's his name, Matt LeBlanc, playing a fictionalised version of Joey Tribbiani, playing himself, basically, on this programme. There you go, I made a mistake. Last time I would have cut that out. Hey-ho. Take care, everybody. Keep safe and uh, enjoy your listening monologue pleasures. <laughs> Rob Williams, you're not a village idiot at all. And I, I was just sort of surprised rather than disappointed. So uh, well done for getting back on that bicycle and ringing in again. Um, I haven't seen that episode. Have you guys? I haven't watched the, the, uh, yeah, the series at all. Yeah, it mm. is. It is good. Um, it's got the slightly more kind of down at heel, kind of whimsical, um, sort of negative side to kind of English sitcoms. But then mm. it's got the production values of American sitcoms. So, um, I mean, I'm not saying that's the, it's the best of both worlds, but you kind of see they've tried to take the the, the, the influences from both. Because I mean, I, I I prefer American comedy. I find it, you know, at the end of a, a, a long day, I can't really deal with all of the negativity. Like, you know, the American Office was much easier for me. But I think, yeah, it it, it, it does well to sort of bridge the gap. Mm. Um, Royfield, as mm -hmm. someone who's got a lot more experience than me, um, and I think Kerry as well, of course, at listening to the caller in as being very professional. How do you deal with the consistent professionalism and brilliance of the caller in as compared to our occasionally more amateur efforts? <laughs> you know, as the, more, as the most experienced person here. I, I've had, what, six years now of being put in my place <laughs> by the slickness of, uh, of everybody who I've worked with. It's not <laughs> just the caller in as Peter. You know, I, I am the, the lead weight in the whole production, and uh, but I've, so I've, I wear it as a badge of pride now. I see. Now, it, now I understand why you got me in. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm the new kicking. I'm the new punch bag. You want to kind of retire from that position? Okay, got it. Got it. I understand. <laughs> I actually like the ones that are a bit more rough around the edges. To be honest. Oh, you're talking about your dating profile again? Yeah. Now, and uh, the type of men you attract. <laughs> No, <laughs> it sounds sounded like that, but no. <laughs> right, I tell you what we should do. We should go to mm. all from Suffolk, and then we should yeah. revisit this because otherwise, this episode is going to be three hours long. Okay. Hello, Royfield, Auntie Kerry, and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. Um, Paul from Suffolk here. 
and I'm really excited. I've just listened to Thursday's episode of The Arches, and I really, really, really enjoyed it. I thought it this week has been really touching. Um, I love Harrison Burns. I'm a big fan of both his, and I think it's James Cartwright, the actor, um, a very attractive and very talented actor. Um, and I, I loved the fact that they had multiple characters uh, speaking during the episode. I loved the vulnerability that was shown by Harrison Burns and how well it was acted. I love the fact that we got Jolene and we got Kenton. And I love the fact that this week as well, they've started to move the timeline on, on a bit. So the pub is now open, um, doing takeaways. And, and I think we're starting to see a little bit more of an alignment between the real world and the Archer's world as well. So, um, while I didn't enjoy the monologues to start off with, I really have felt that they have, um, grown on me. And I think as the uh, as the team have become more adept at managing the technology, they've become more sophisticated, and it's worked really, really well. So, so yes, I, I recognise there's been some negativity, and I've contributed towards that. But yay for positivity, and yay for Harrison Burns, and yay for clapping on the green. All those good things. Take care, everyone. Stay safe. Yay, Paul, for positivity. We're all trying to be positive this week aren't we um so we will happily join in with your positivity um and yeah he loves harrison he's a big harrison fan we did touch upon earlier about you know i think i said about the pub being open and the screens and you know they're doing takeaways and i did i did wonder because that happened on the 4th of july wasn't it when the pubs opened in the uk mm-hmm. yeah um and they've have they started writing more close to the airing of the episodes, do you think? Or to have got that I kind was thinking of detail that, in? Mm. I was thinking that they were probably placeholding some blocks. So you could write um, Jolene and Kenton in the pub, Peacock drama, and you could have a placeholder for, you know, the COVID portion. And so you okay. only have to hold back the writing of those sections and also the recording. So, I mean, I say only, you know, it's obviously probably a lot more complex than that. And that would then feed into my kind of um, my theory that I think I've given a couple of times that whilst, you know, that's why they've done this, that's that's the driver. So mm-hmm. they can bring in this sort of slightly closer relevance. Oh, um, do you think there are inserts right then, like slight little later inserts about the um, take take your temperature and the screens are up and? I mean, I guess that I guess I mean I don't know enough about the technology. I mean, I guess that might be that you'd have to have consistency of tone, which might be difficult to do. But but um, but yeah, I don't see from a scripting point of view, it shouldn't it? that that could be quite plausible, couldn't it? Mm. You could just have the COVID bit because, like you were saying, the comments about the screens that could just as easily have been them being anxious about the fact that the pub was empty and that they're gearing up for it to open like that you know they could have easily tweaked it according to the government yeah. rules yeah which none of us can but you know they could do yeah <laughs> there you go positivity has been mentioned well done paul uh now it's b12 from simon and he's from balsall heath in my own hometown of birmingham hello royfield Kerry and gang this is B12 Simon. It's been a while, but uh, still listening and uh, still opinionated about the Archers. Just wanted to do a couple of things. I mean, firstly, the Corona monologues. It's all right, but yeah, we do what we do. We're all making compromises and uh, making sacrifices, and uh, the Archers is doing just that. The other thing is Debbie. Delighted to see her back. Uh, I do wonder where the um, being homesick story is going to go. 
if she ends up coming back to Britain, I mean, okay, Tamsin Green might have a bit of time at the moment for the Archers, but uh, I think as soon as things are back to normal, as soon as theatre and uh, and film is back to normal, then maybe she won't be. And uh, I think if she's a silent character in the village, that'll be a bit more bit more grating than in uh, if she's a silent character in Hungary. Well, that's my 2P anyway. Still loving the show. Thanks to all for all the work. Hopefully I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye now. Nice one, B12 Simon. Um, yeah, he thinks it's all right. We are all making compromises, aren't we? He mentions Debbie and like, woo, I'm glad she's back as well. And when I was doing my chart of the ages of people <laughs> today on my day off from work, um, Debbie's coming up to being 50. And I was thinking, ooh, she's, you know, keeps talking about the possibility of returning that would be quite a good reason for her to come back as well wouldn't it mm, can she though if if ever there was one character who we 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 struggle to separate from the actor that plays her it's debbie isn't it everybody yeah. always says it they go debbie they go tamsin tamsin they go debbie so um if this was um rob coming back uh none of us are attuned to what the actor of rob is actually doing he could be in a a blockbuster hollywood movie at the moment mm. but no one's saying oh he can't really come back because he's doing this uh, he's doing the next marvel movie or or or, or anybody really i know so, but she doesn't have to be in it all the time every week but i did think you know it the fact that she has returned because um drama land and theatre land and filmy land is all a bit odd at the moment mm. you know she could there's well come of, back mm. yeah there's a lot of land between dover and um borsetshire um i assume so you know she doesn't have to be in ambridge she can move closer she can mm. sort of could easily find a position where she could kind of duck in i mean i was always surprised that um oh i would love um joy one um so vicky to be back that would be you know i'd love to have vicky back um and i you know as well and um, mike get, get them all back and I'm, I'm always surprised that they don't come in for a few cam cameos mm. but uh yeah i mean they could have her sort of in birmingham or kind of you know around the corner a bit they don't have to have her back in ambridge yeah and actually she isn't 50 until christmas by the way <laughs> so maybe it's wishful thinking Brilliant. Right. That was B12 Simon over there in Borsal Lethal, possibly even Spark Brook, because the B12 postcode cap, you know, covers both of those brummy areas. Uh, I don't know which bit of the United Kingdom Erica's in, but she's next on Dumpty Dum. Hello, Dumpty Dummers. Uh, it's Erica calling from London. I'm a second time caller Rinner up. I called in before, but I don't think I did my vintage last time. So I've been listening for about 20 years. Um, I think that makes me a lily, I think. I had to go I had to look it up on, on your website. First major storyline that I'd remember, it wasn't anything big. It was something to do with the Grundies trying to do a build a shepherd's hut for Linda and she was really unhappy about it. But that's the first thing that I really remember. It took me a really long time to figure out who was who, but general comment on the monologues. Um yeah, I've heard it likened to treading water, and I suppose it is. But isn't that why we like the archers, that it's just very slow and steady? It's character-driven. We shouldn't really be caring about explosions and so on. 
if you want that, go listen to uh, EastEnders or something like that. That said, the episode with Freddie fixing the toilet, that nah, was a bit too much, I think. But recently, when we got to see the Aldridges have the monologues with the Aldridges, that was great. That was really good. I'm really loving getting to understand what's going on with Alice and Chris. It's slow and steady. But there are some people's heads that I think we don't need to revisit. So I'm thinking Adam, oh my gosh, <laughs> really don't need to jump in his head. Harrison, ugh, boring. David, ugh, boring. And please, 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 I'm so glad that nobody's bothered thinking that we need to jump into Ruth's head. So thank you very much, uh, script writers, for that. <laughs> just one final thing. Something I'd observed is just that what the dynamics are really like with the different relationships. So recently we heard Chris and Alice but also Lillian and Justin, Jolene and Kenton, just interesting to see how, how they get on and how, pe- how they think of each other. So thinking about Jolene and Kenton, I, I was just struck by the weird dynamics. It's all a bit competitive, lacking affection, you know, but interesting nonetheless, because sometimes when you just hear what people are saying, you don't really get the thoughts as well. So I thought, I thought that's, that's quite good. And I think, I think it is developing in a way that's entertaining. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to love it when we get back to the normal way of doing the archers but for the time being i think it's all right got to be patient you know just go with the flow so uh that's it from me uh for now all right bye wow erica (laughs) another jam-packed call erica's a didgeridoo player because that must be circular breathing to be able to talk (laughs) that consistently without hesitation for that amount of time it's quite impressive it was Uh, uh, can i let you into her secret Mm. I, I edited out some of the gaps. It was it's actually she's oh, actually okay. human. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. And, and actually, it was two calls. She ran out of space. Oh. She ran out of time, and she went, "Oh, oh, oh, oh! Uh, yeah, I need to start again." And I, uh, I edited them both both together. So Erica is actually. I'll send human. you my tape. I'll send you my tape later on in the week, Royfield, with the everything else I want to say. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> she made some really valid points though i i, I thought um Definitely, I mean, yeah her vintage is interesting you know being a lily and mentioning the shepherd's hut again oh that takes you back doesn't it um that's my favorite part of dumpty dum is getting these reminders about the parts of the arches yeah. i loved so much i mean there was a couple last week i absolutely love the shepherd's hut sorry carrie i know i interrupted you no, but no, i just no, do go ahead mm. Yeah, no, that, that, that I was done. I just, you know, it, it, that is my favourite bit. As you hear, like, what was it last week? There was something last week. There's no reason why you should remember, but there was something last week, and I was like, oh god, absolutely adore. You got that really misty eyed, didn't you? Was, about the was it, it was around like, yeah. 2010 or something? Um, yeah, think. and it was also um, uh, oh um, uh, sorry, two seconds. Jennifer saying, oh Brian, um, that was that was that was it. I you know I, I read there were the parts of the show that really kind of like you know, hit the heartstrings. And she did pick up on as well, um, our Erica, about the dynamics between the couples. Yes. And how they're being Which I think we touched uh, on before. Out. Yeah. And she, she said she she t- she did it quite, she sort of summed it up quite tidily, sort of saying it is odd how they have these kind of petty battles. But she, I think, was more kind of trusting and good spirited in sort of con- contemplating that we all have this going on at some level in our heads. And maybe yeah, this is just what you would see if you were. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think she was showing a more kind of positive attitude towards it. So from couples and positivity, uh, we now um, have our penultimate caller in a It's Emma. Hi, Royfield, Kerry and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Emma in the Ribble Valley here. 
it's me with the bees. I really was busy last week. I haven't forgotten about all your bee questions, but after a run of nearly two weeks of rain on the one day that it was nice weather, my bees decided to abscond about 25 foot up a tree. So I was a bit busy trying to get them back and helping my neighbor to try and get his bees back as well. So things that you can do to help bees, you can buy your honey from a nice local beekeeper who looks after their bees and respects them. The stuff in the supermarkets is made on a massive scale and I'm not sure that they're that bothered about the bees. It's more about the honey. And also the stuff that's in there might not necessarily be honey. It could have been watered down with the sugar solution as happened in a certain big supermarket earlier this year. Other than that, let the weeds grow in your garden. My bees love the clover. They love dandelions. So just it's an excuse to let your garden go. And uh, yeah, I have nothing else to say really this week. Uh, the Archers has been a bit meh, so I can't even remember what happened to comment on it. Hope you're all well. Take care. Speak again. Bye. I'm so glad Emma called back in. And I'm also glad to hear that there's other people who can't remember what happened <laughs> in the week to comment on it. Uh, but yeah, supermarket honey not being honey and being all watered down and... Mm. We need to um, all seek out our local beekeepers to buy our honey Honest. from. Yeah, mm. we absolutely do. And I, for one, am hoping that this is not just going to be two calls and done about bees. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think uh, we implore you, Emma, to maybe call in on a monthly basis, you know, and overtax you with this and give us an upkeep on uh, on your hive and uh, and other bee-related matters. What do you reckon, Peter? I am contemplating becoming an apiarist. So oh. is that the correct word? But yeah. Um, are are you really though? Are you just 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 saying that for for a cheap pun? I returned. No, no. I honestly, I was home last week um, in London, and there were too many bees. So it's very much a, if you're given bees, make honey kind of scenario. Um, and my family have previous. My aunt, uh, my aunt is an apiarist. So I was, I was, oh. you know, um, I'm thinking I should give it a go. Yeah, I, I I'd like to hear from Emma how she got the bees that had absconded up a tree. How you get them down? What happens? You want to steal Emma's bees? <laughs> I'm going to go around Brighton looking for bees that I can um, get from trees. No, but she's helped. You know, she did that with her own bees and her neighbours. What do you do to get them down? What happens? And how can you tell which bees belong to to where? This bee over here, you come down to mine. The bee over there, no, shoo, 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 you go to the neighbours. Like, how do you know? You see, yeah, you I don't need... want to go door to door in South East London. Um, I'm, yes, I'm not becoming <laughs> an apiarist. There's absolutely no way I'm going. The, you know, the part, of, it's a bit, it's a bit um, needles and knives in the part of London I live in. So I probably, yeah, I'm not going door to door. No, it's off. I'm, I'm now imagining, you know, those um, posts that you see on lampposts of missing cats. <laughs> <laughs> an a4 sheet of paper with a picture of a bee I, I couldn't you made a statement peter at the start of uh answering this call which i just could not believe you said you went home to london this weekend and you saw yeah. too many bees i haven't seen too many bees since about the age of 10 
this was as you remember it the sunny days of the late 70s and early 80s where you know the the, the night time never came out playing football until your parents called you in and you were being stung every five minutes it felt you know like life was just one massive kind of trip to see your mum because you got another you know like your eyes swelling or something there i mean i too many bees you couldn't count them it was quite something there's loads of bees in my garden too this should cheer Royfield up. He was really quite glum when yeah. bees. No, no, totally, totally. Well, fundamentally, bees are taking a bit of a kick in, and anything we can do to protect them, I'm all for. So, you saying that there were too many bees in London? I'm saying you must have gone into some time warp continuum, sir, because, Is it and, and because gone back got to loads the seventies. Weeds, because she said, "Let your weeds grow." Are there weeds in your garden? <laughs> yeah, my, there, there is a lavender bush about mm. the size of a small family car. In, in in our tiny garden it's mm. mostly or it's mostly lavender bush i think that's your answer yeah mm. is it or is it just a big pile of weeds peter you're just trying to style it out no um luckily the rest of our garden was squashed by building materials so the lavender bush was the only bit left so yeah it's 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 scorched earth i mean thank you for your concern Royfield, but our, my garden is is um is is kept by only but only has because it's been covered for the last six months smashing Right, now we've got that cleared up, uh, Beth is bringing up the rear. Hello Royfield, Kerry and Peter. It's Beth here from Warrington. I rang in last week in support of Adam and I must say I was a little disappointed in your response, but I'll let that pass. <laughs> I thought this week's episodes were all very good, all linked by the theme of family and what family means. It was good to hear Adam juggling family life and problems with the business. I thought the talk of Roger in Scotland and then a discussion of Xander's biological parentage was foreshadowing a future plotline. Here is my plot prediction. Roger will succumb to the coronavirus. Adam and Debbie will travel to Scotland for the funeral. Adam will, of course, bump into Charlie. He'll follow his heart and a custody battle will ensue. Adam, biological parent versus Ian, primary carer. Lexi could return supporting team Ian and Jennifer and the Aldridge's team Adam. Well, that's it from me. Bye for now. Wow, Beth, apologise for the uh, response to your Adam love last week. That's That's a good plot prediction, isn't it? Yeah, I'd like to listen to that. Uh, yeah, I think it's utterly stunning. And it has to be said just very quickly because people are saying, hmm, she's referring to things two weeks ago. Uh, Beth was one of the callers along with Emma who didn't quite make the cut uh, for last week's show because uh, they she sent in her caller in her a bit, a bit of a missive whilst we were actually recording. So that's uh-huh. the reason why it might feel slightly out of time. But brilliant, isn't it? You know, Roger dies, yes. Adam and Deborah, Debbie go to the funeral, bumps into Charlie. Custody battle. <laughs> um, it escalates quite quickly. <laughs> yeah. I I think um, who would you who would you be? I think I'd be on Team Adam in the custody battle. Um, uh, I know I know that we've been. You Adam just to, don't Ian like really, Ian. That's all. I really saying. don't like Ian. Yeah. Sorry, this was supposed to be my positive episode. I was supposed to try and be positive the whole way through. I nearly made it, and I just you know screwed up. I was horrible about Ian. Sorry, everyone. Mm. <laughs> no, you weren't horrible. You just prefer um, Adam to Ian. Yeah, I'm bi- exactly. Thank you. I'm a massively yeah. positive um, Adam fan. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, which is weird, but you know. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Beth, thanks for that. We have to try and get this episode down to a nice, tight 
90 minutes and I'm going to struggle in the edit, R. Kerry. So I'm going to say this very quickly and I hope your answer is going to be in the negative. But do you have any emails this week? No, nobody wrote to us. Well, um, I'm actually quite happy that I'm actually equally angry as well. So what the matter, what is the matter with you, dumdy dummers? You know the drill. Um, some of you um, have uh, voice uh, phobia and you don't want to get on the old uh, speak pipe. So you can like text, you can email. However, in this circumstance, because these pair of bloviators have gone on for so long, I'm actually quite happy because it means that the edit will be tighter. So we'll come back. The other five, the other five. So we'll come back after uh, a couple of minutes and it will be a touch of the merely bell. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And you best enjoy this because you start to wind down her tenure with us. Millie Bell, you're up. Good day, everyone. Well, in the middle of the week, we were talking about whether we are managing to socially distance um, during human interaction and whether it involved a penny. Now, obviously, I know what a penny is because I'm from the UK, but not everybody did. However, Millie McMerriweather said, I always wear a penny in the house until I'm done with domestics. 
During lockdown, my neighbours took great joy in the youngest in the street, bar one, wearing a penny. I did it to the list of things. I don't give a hoot what folk think of me. Um, Sandra Jenkinson said, if I'm not wearing my penny when the window cleaner knocks, he comments on it. And Yvonne Rhee said, of course, and a supply of cupcakes to fling from a distance at unexpected visitors. <laughs> Rob Williams said, I just stare out the little window in the door until they go away. <laughs> um, and apparently in Canada, a penny is one of those um, little loose fitting vests that you have of different colours when you're um, playing netball or whatever. I didn't know that, so now we're all a little bit more informed. Then later in the week, we were discussing who is your favourite Asha, and thanks to Jolene for this suggestion. What I find really interesting is when I wrote it, I meant Archer, but we have written about everybody. Catherine Stafford said, favourite is a strange term. I feel for Clary and Hayley, but I wouldn't want to spend an evening with them in the bull. Sam Johnson said, I'm fickle, and it depends on their storylines. At the moment, I'm liking Freddie after always thinking him a complete stereotypical privileged tit. Um, Helen Ostrich said, I don't like any of the current ones and get fed up with their personality changes. Um, and Van Villette also said, I'm for Team Freddie. He's so well acted and has developed into a convincing product of his parents and background. He is the new Nigel. I guess we are going to let Freddie. He's half of an archer, isn't he? But he's really a partitor. But he's half an archer, so we'll let him on the list. Um, Linda Curtis said, I've always liked David, but also like Roy and Susan who are not archers, but they are in the archers. And so Stuart Sandon picked this up and said, with the archer name, Jolene, all of the Brookfield archers get on my nerves. So do the Bodge Farm ones. The rest of the characters I like except Philip. That S storyline needs to be ditched, in my opinion. Oh, also, I can't be doing with Adam and Ian and that wretched gurgling baby noise every two minutes. Brian and Jennifer, however, are a joy. Couldn't agree more. And then I wondered whether um, we would all be tuning in to Radio Borsetshire for regular police updates from Harrison. <laughs> Doreen Kingle said, doesn't he drone on? No spark at all. Uh, Rob Williams said he described an ongoing fight between two pensioners wielding hedge trimmers and still managed to make it boring. The only way he'll get a radio slot is to make the Susan decision seem more sensible. Um, Julie Lindsay said, sounds like, not a loss, I missed it all. And Sue Howard said, his radio interview will have struck a chord with Borsetshire listeners, as well as TA listeners. It did with the village and fell on. Well, that's true. And Zoe Taylor said, oh my God, no, rather have the Friday night episode of Dead Ringers, which had another Archer's parody. Woohoo. I don't hear those over here. I must try and get onto that. Anyway, it was a, you know, it is hard maintaining a robust conversation when we have so little from each other, but you're doing a great job and you're certainly keeping me amused, everyone, so thank you. And next week it will be your quick. So until I speak to you again in a fortnight, I say to you, hooray. Thank you for that, Millie Bell. And um, we're going to have to give a, a right royal send-off um, because you're just going to uh, – warm the dum de dum social media seat uh, for maybe uh, another couple of weeks before uh, the new posse uh, kind of like assume uh, assume their duties. So um, Millie Bell, I'm not going to give you a, a proper right 
right rousing send-off right now. But uh, we do thank you for everything that you've done. And um, we look forward to, well, we don't look forward to it like in Glee or anything like that. But um, your your next missive uh, will be a good one, no doubt. And we'll give you a proper send-off then for all your long service years of uh, doing the Dumpty Dums. Um, Kerry. Yes. Can we have some side-splittingly funny tweets to help <laughs> round off this episode oh, of Dum Dee Dum? Uh, well, I'll give you some tweets. Um, <laughs> they always seem to be by the same people. I think maybe one of you two should choose the tweets another week because I attracted to the same sorts of tweets. Anyway, um, the first one is from Morrissey Girl. Um, who is Griselda Strange? And she said, maybe cut out the middleman and just date Jolene, Liz. Which I thought was uh, <laughs> quite an interesting one. Um, then there was Jenny Prigg, who mm -hmm. is at Falmouth Jen. She put, um, so tell me, please, if Harrison was promoted, what were the others like? Or is it because he's the only one? Harsh. Oh. Um, I think Alison. that that tweet Ooh. is not in keeping with the tenor of the week because most people were very okay. touched. Ditch that then. Ditch, yeah. Ditch, ditch, abort. Yeah. Um, Alison, who's at Nozilla underscore sixty three, she says, "I vote for calling this peacock Garibaldi. Forever a reminder that he replaced the squashed Eccles." Uh, That's good, isn't it? Uh, Eccles. Gary Baldy, squashed. Yeah. Mm, that's not the tweet of the week, by the way. Um, then now, tweet of the week. It's by a bit buddish, which is I'm buddish, which is why you guys need to choose the tweets because I keep choosing him. He put, "Mrs. Duncan needn't have involved the police. The whole thing could have been much better handled by a privet investigator." A. Oh, very good. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Uh, folks, um, done it's, it's a, a private hedge, Royfield. Did you get it? Private hedge. Th th thank you for that, Peter. Smashing. Dumdedum.com, folks. Go there. No problem. It's got all manner <laughs> of stuff. And uh, I say go to dumdedum.com because you can buy things from our shop. Somebody bought something from our shop this week. It was a mug. It was a mug that came emblazoned with the words dum-ti-dum, or maybe the word actually, not words, dum-ti-dum on it. And I'm sure it's going to be perfect for holding all of their hot beverages uh, within the self-same receptacle. Now, if you would like to maybe purchase a mug, a T-shirt, or some bit of apparel that says dum-ti-dum, why don't you go to dumdidum.com and go on to our shop. Hit shop. Uh, shop is uh, means store for our American listeners. Uh, so the translation is go to dumdedum.com, hit store uh, for our American uh, listeners, and you can buy some merch. And it helps to keep uh, the good lights on in Dumdedum Towers uh, whilst we're going through the pandemic. So uh, dumdedum.com. Um, you can also go on to YouTube. And if you type in Dumpty Dum or even uh, Royfield, you'll get um, all of our Zooms in full glorious Technicolor. You'll see me uh, floundering uh, for words and, and fawning over the actors of the archers. You'll see uh, Kerry Warbis with her luxurious mane of red hair. 
are just being very chill and very cool. You won't see Pete Vickling because he's, uh, I think he's wiping his little one's uh, Cyrus's bum or something or another, or doing <laughs> some kind of parenting duty, you know, and and manfully and and lovingly doing it as opposed to Adam, who was dragged into it and then thought that he'd done this miraculous thing just for one day. Uh, Pete Vicklin is the type of father that we all uh, need and want in our lives. He's committed. He's, and that's the reason why he's not on the Zooms. And he won't be there, you know, having a drink with us on Friday uh, whilst we uh, sit down with Sonny Ormond, who plays Lillian Bellamy, uh, and and but what we'll do, we'll have a camera just pointed at a wall with with an empty glass to represent <laughs> our Pete, and we can all just raise a glass to him uh, whilst he's uh, wipe, you know wiping a bum, changing a nappy, and just doing dad type things. So that's Friday, seven o'clock on the Zooms. You can also watch us on. Um, youtube if you don't want to get in with the zoom action so uh there are options for you uh so so that's that uh kerry i don't know what i'm talking about mm. my mouth's just run away with me please <laughs> rescue me by, by saying something that is in red okay if you would like to sing us a dumpty dum or leave us a plot prediction then call us on 0203 031 leave us a message on speakpipe or send a text message starting with dumb to 077-862-00690. We talk about Twitter all the time and its importance to the whole genus. Uh, that is Dumpty Dum. Uh, you can uh, follow us on Twitter, where we are at Dumpty Dum. Uh, Kerry Warbis, how can people find you on the Twitters? I'm at Kerry Warbis, which is spelt K-E-R-I. Uh, you can find me on the Twitters where I'm at Royfield. Now, normally I would say Peter where can people find you on the Twitters? And it would say Pete Fickling. But uh, Peter's had some connection issues and he's just messaged me on WhatsApp to say, Royford, mm. I've got connection issues. So he's gone. He's already uh, changing a nappy and he's on father duty. So he's gone. But he's Pete Fickling. And of course, uh, if you want some some funny tweets, uh, you can also uh, follow at Lucy V Freeman uh, on Twitter. Now, Facebook uh, Facebook is a, is the biggest social media network on the planet. There's like 2 billion people on there. And if you go into that jungle, that maelstrom, that crowd of people, uh, and you fight past them, you'll find not only fans of the archers, you'll find dum-de-dummers. So if you don't want to drop kick all the 2 billion people out the way just to find yourself the dum-de-dummers or the archers fans on Facebook, just type in dum te dum and uh, you'll get there. You'll get onto our page, which is becoming a group very soon. And uh, that means that you can join with us on Facebook, Auntie Kerry Warbis. Mm. Um, what's going to be uh, your takeaway of the whole week? The whole the whole week, which we've just been served up to us by the BBC, uh, the goings on in the minds of the citizens, the denizens of Ambridge. I think it is um, to be more positive and to be in touch with our feelings and verbalise those. There you go, people. <laughs> Wise words from Auntie Kerry Warburton. <laughs> 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 Wish her luck, online dating. Oh, yes. I need uh, a lot of that. Will you uh, keep us, um, you know, uh, keep us abreast of your... Mm. Um, Goings and comings. Oh, that, that sounded a bit wrong. 
<laughs> I, I was struggling with the appropriate word, oh, which no. didn't have I some mean, kind of sexual fine. connotation, it's and fine. it just came out yeah. all. I'll keep you updated. Yes. Brilliant. Okay. <laughs>